0: This is On the Block with Strick and Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland
1: for three! And you're going to go out of here as
0: the Big 8 tournament champion. 93.7 The Ticket veteran and Bill Callahan Fan Club President, Jake Bacovic. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This
1: is on the block
0: with Stricken Bot. Hold up.
1: Happy Monday. Actually, it's not Monday. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there on uh, our uh, on the block out there. This is 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Bokovan. He is Eric Strickland. That was the perfect setup for you. Eric Strickland is the Husker Hall of Famer longtime NBA vet. How is your Tuesday going so
0: far, Strick? Pretty good. Uh, really hot. A lot going on. <laughs> Packing and doing all kinds of stuff in the meantime, in between time. So it's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course, uh, we announced uh, not too long ago, Strick is uh, is packing because he's getting ready to move uh, back to Nebraska, so we're excited about that. He's going to you know, be in here in studio more days than not, and uh, we can't wait for that. And uh, I've already seen that, uh, you know, uh, you're taking pictures of some local hoopers, so uh, it's kind of cool to maybe get back in the hoop scene around Lincoln and yeah, Omaha, because there's, uh, there's more ballers than it seems like there has been in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, uh, some ballers there, some interest there from... Um you know, some of the local colleges as well. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be fun to get a chance to watch and, and to to be up close and personal to not only the the Nebraska program, the Creighton program, um, some of the, you know, JUCO programs and NAI programs and locally, and to, and to be able to just talk and touch uh, some of the local talent again. It's gonna be uh, quite fun to be able to have uh, real in-depth conversations and, and to speak life into some of them if they ask it. And, it's going to be good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to uh, uh getting back. I I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to the cold, but definitely get yeah. a chance <laughs> to see more Husker games and participate in some of the high school games that are going to be going on as well and, and you know state tournaments so forth and so on so that's going to be some good things that i am be able to do that I wasn't able to do uh, here in Florida. And we'll see too uh, if, if
1: uh, Nebraska basketball can get it going unfortunately today another hit against him. four star big man Gus Yaldin, who's uh, better known as Gus Buss uh, committed to Wisconsin uh, he's a top 100 kid according to 24-7 and, and, pl- and plenty of uh, recruiting sites out there so he was one that Nebraska was really going after Rutgers uh, College of Charleston, actually. Wisconsin and Nebraska were kind of his final four there, but he grew up a Nebraska fan, so maybe they were kind of going up against it all, the, all along, and Wisconsin's got quite a program, so anytime you lose that one, uh, it's somewhat understandable, but obviously with the, losing the battle with Chucky, well, I don't know if it was a battle, because I don't know how, how bad they went after Chucky e. Hepburn, but obviously he had a great uh, start to his Wisconsin career, um, so you're going to see some, some familiar faces and probably wonder what, what could have been, I suppose suppose um, if you're uh, watching Wisconsin basketball if you're Nebraska um, and you know it just it feels it feels like Nebraska basketball is is not going to get the you know kind of the big time big time name to build around we've kind of talked about that um, so far do you see this as, as another big hit or maybe somewhat expected uh, when you're when you're battling with schools like that, that that have quite a bit more to sell I suppose at this point.
0: Well, I am not going to overly say that this is a uh, a lost situation being that, you know, uh, Gus Sheldon, he he is a um, he's a Wisconsin native. Mm-hmm. You know, although he went to North Carolina to play high school ball. Um that that can went out. When you have a solid program and you're from that area, you're you're a native of the area, i.e., similar to what happened with me. Um you tend to look more favorably to that situation especially being that uh, you're unique in the fact that they're they're offering you a scholarship as a 2023 kid which they normally don't do they normally are a very patient uh university that waits and and kind of probes and really digs and really scouts and and before they make an offer to make sure that they're getting the kind of player that's similar to what we talk about on the block with what you know we would hope to establish when you establish a culture when you establish a, um, a style of play that you want to play. You've got to not only uh, get the players to fit that mold, but you also got to get the character of those guys. And they felt that his character fit uh, with them in their program. And they offered him early, which is, which is, you know, something that they don't normally do now. Um, you know, his set, he, he's very Jokic type, you know, he's a good passer. Uh, he's very methodical. Um, he's got solid IQ. Uh, he's crafty. He's not a very big jumper. You know that's yeah. not something that he does well. He has the ability to stretch the floor. He does do that. Uh, he he's a space guy. He takes up space, and so um, you know that's a unique set. But he's still young. I mean, so he's still got to grow into his body. He's probably a little heavier than he will be when he uh, makes his way to campus. He'll probably need to lose some of that, lose some of that extra weight that he's carrying. But uh, I think for the most part, it's a good find for them. It, he, he plays the style of play very methodical that you normally see out of a Wisconsin university uh, program. And uh, he's a good fit for them.
1: Yeah. And then obviously it is kind of, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it's a difficult when you talk about the 2023 class, um, you know, kind of similar to, to football and, and it's it hats off when these guys can start to put a class together, but um you know it it, it it is what it is the both coaches in football and basketball um had to take the the kind of <laughs> the punch in the chin and uh take a, a a year you know take the contract down um and uh and so it's pretty much a prove it year and everybody kind of knows what's kind of going on there so for somebody to cl- commit to nebraska Early to for the 2023 class doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I um, mean, it would show your 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 faith that things could kind of pull through, right, and that Nebraska going to turn it around. Um, but you could also kind of risk looking like a a guy that flip flops a little bit if you know things change. Although at the same time, I think most. Um, people if you look close to it, would understand if you commit to Hoiberg and then Hoiberg's not around um you know i, I, don't, I don't know how much of a reputation yeah. you'd get but it just it seems kind of odd to commit early to, to to the program um before you kind of have a good feeling that it's it's going in the right direction but at the same time right. you know how how are you going to know that um you know you'd have to wait till pretty late in the process until it would be um comfortable to kind of get in there but we'll see we'll see how they you know how they kind of put that 2023 class together
0: I, I think it works. It does. I think it works both ways. Um, I think there's some ways, again, I, I don't like to overly try to promote this, but I mean, I am a part of it and I understand it. That's what we do at cerebrosports.com is that we're we're trying to be able to uh, take not only the levels of comp- competition, we weight those out, and then we'll try to apply some metrics to that to, to be able to kind of uh, – Project some career arcing, you know, how their translation based on the, the levels of competition that they're pay, playing uh, at the high school level uh, in their AAU programs, where they're playing in their AAU, AAU programs, and what the weight of that is uh, in an in a Under Armour uh, league or an Adidas or an EYBL as opposed to some of the other leagues. And there's weight scales on those to be able to attribute. Um so we still don't know. I mean it's still very early, but he does he 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 ends up playing for a Wisconsin AAU team so that keeps them close uh to Wisconsin to be able to um keep their eye on him as well. But that's some of the stuff that we try to do is we try to help in those decisions and in, in 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 making those decisions by taking those numbers give you a little bit of, uh, more analytical data to dig into a little bit more. Sometimes you see it with the eye test uh, the eye test can not only tell you i mean because if you're <laughs> if you're a guy that's averaging 40 in the ymca uh league compared to the EYBL, you're averaging 14 there's there's a different scale for for your levels of translation to the next level so um i think i think it, it's going to be interesting to see and and, and nebraska's going to have a hard time getting a early commits because i think they're going to have to wait and they're they're watching they're observing they're they're checking it out and making sure that there's going to be some stability in the program before you can really pull the trigger on that.
1: Yeah, we'll see Nebraska basketball. Um, I, you know, I, I know it's not going to have expectations, but maybe that can, or, or, excuse me, like huge expectations. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit there, um, and the expectation is to turn it around, at least probably, you know, go 500 and above, and, and start to take the the program in the right direction. Um, but uh, I, I, I kind of said this all along, with as opposed to Husker football, unless you do get a huge name, and, and maybe the the chance was out there here and there, but they don't seem to to be landing that guy this off season. Um, it's going to be hard to kind of get positive flow back into that program uh, until you win games. And of course, that's kind of the same way for football, it only lasts so so long. The off season hype, but I, but that that just that like the off season hype is going to be hard to get uh, around Nebraska basketball. So uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. I'll be excited when Nebraska basketball starts. I'm always excited for any day that Nebraska basketball is playing. Uh, and you know, it just feels like the program is closer than it has been. Um, you know, as 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 opposed to the last couple years where you get kind of a big name in or expect a, a big uh, change. It, it kind of feels like the old days of Nebraska basketball. It's like yeah we'll be overlooked. And then, you know, we'll see what we can do to try to fight up towards 500, but uh, that's just, well, the, the,
0: the, the key the is going to be coaching, coaching up and chemistry, chemistry and coaching up is going to be the key component of whether they're going to have success in, uh, or not. You you saw that last year that at a lot of times throughout those games, there was lack of chemistry. There was uh, extra pass opportunities that could have led to a better shot or another drive for another better shot. Uh, which weren't those opportunities weren't taken. You're you're, you're seeing a, a lack of box out opportunities where you're just watching the ball, and then all of a sudden, a Keegan Murray or somebody comes over the top and is banging on you because you're you're not putting bodies or putting chucks on people uh, to keep them off. And so you saw just a lot of lack of chemistry, a lot of lack of growth. Uh, you saw at the end, you just saw highlights of it uh, at the end of the season where you you kind of wished and hoped that hey. Why why wasn't that happening earlier? Why couldn't they have played that way earlier? I think there was a reason to do that. But uh, hopefully those those core guys that remained and those new guys that come in, they're able they were able to watch and observe into and and the coaching staff is going to be able to relay a message that states this is what not to do. This is what we do when we win and how we're going to play in a successful manner. This is how we're going to fail if we play in this this bad way of playing basketball. Uh, So turnovers, taking care of the ball, all things are going to have to be, they're going to play solid. you got to just play solid. If you just play solid across the board, um, you don't lose big numbers, whether it be in the rebound game or, or you, you, you have a turnover margin, a deference between of seven to 10, you know, where you're having 18 turnovers and they're having eight, nine and 10. And you just, you just can't make those up. So you, you've got to be able to take good shots, make good shots and, and play a solid way of basketball, coach them up and, and be very um, solid in your in the way that you operate and you, you, you can have some success. That's how you're able to overcome some, um, you know, some deficiencies that you may have in other areas of your game.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, an effort is something that people have questioned at times. And, and you know, with a new defensive coach and new defensive scheme in here. Um, I think that that's going to be, you know, they're not going to um, get anywhere on talent alone necessarily this year. So I think it's going to be pretty obvious from them um, what they're going to have to put into this season. So it's it's going to be very interesting when they get that going. I also wanted to ask you about this. Uh, we've kind of been talking about it today. 24-7 Sports comes out with a, an article with the best and worst case scenario for every Big Ten team. Maybe we can go through the other Big Ten teams here in a second but just to start with Nebraska it, it's kind of odd uh, the biggest question coming out of the article is how did they arrive to this point of the worst case scenario being six and six but I'll go ahead and read the article for you uh, as far as for Nebraska goes it says best case scenario nine and three um, and seven and two in the big ten says given Scott Frost well documented struggles with the Huskers you're not going to see many prognosticators slotting Nebraska with a potential nine and three finish uh, but in this optimistic projection the Iowa showdown the regular season finale is the difference in an eight and nine win camp Payne. One of the three losses comes to Oklahoma, by the way. So, even, at, even if Nebraska goes 9-3, and three, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this article doesn't believe too much in Nebraska beating Oklahoma. In any case, worst-case scenario says 6-6, uh, six and 4-5 six, and five in the Big Ten. In a contract year for Frost with his back against the wall, Nebraska would have to fall off the face of the earth to fail to qualify for a bowl game, considering the Huskers miss Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State from the other side of the conference. So, uh, definitely... Leaning in toward the fact that Nebraska's schedule's a lot easier, but I mean, can you agree with a worst case scenario being better than any record that Scott Frost has had in his first four years?
0: Yeah, I, I can see that uh, with their schedule, you can definitely see the worst case scenario landing with them right there at, at, in that range. Um, I've even had, I've even seen and, and, and did some research and looked at some other best case scenarios to where. Uh, some teams have them basically falling, um, actually beating Oklahoma and falling to Michigan and uh, and Iowa, and pretty much winning the West and playing in a <laughs> playing in a Big Ten championship game <laughs> against Ohio State, uh, where they projected that they you know probably probably play well for uh, two or three quarters, but. Uh, They're basing that on of what they were able to do out of the transfer portal. But that's the scary part about it. When you're getting players out of the transfer portal, you just don't you just don't know how they're going to fit, how they're going to measure up, what's their worth ethic going to be like when they get there. Um, You know, are they going to produce at a level that is necessary in order to win (laughs) nine and 10 games in a season? Those things are all uncertain, and and so that's the scary part when you start looking at best case scenarios for Nebraska. Uh, But we have some optimism, some optimistic people out there, some optimistic pundits that think uh, that the schedule being very favorable, as you alluded to, uh, missing Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, uh, and those teams on that side. But um, you know, teams with great line play who have gotten better. You know, people think that. Minnesota is going to be pretty solid. Um, But obviously, you know, a down year probably we'll see early in the year with Northwestern, but uh, Indiana's down, Northwestern, uh, you know, probably be a tough uh, challenge in Minnesota because of the way that they'll pound on you and beat you down. But Nebraska, if they can show up their uh, interior line play, they've got great linebackers. We don't know what their safeties are going to be like. And and how well their cornerbacks are going to perform. So it's going to be interesting to see the style of play that they're going to offer on the defensive side of things.
1: When I hear a lot too, like the, the, the games, like the schedule is the reason why Nebraska is put in a favorable pole position. And, And I, you know, I think that's dangerous at some points to do because you, you're, you're doing it all based on last year's teams and projections forward, uh, as opposed to, you know, playing it out there on the field. Um, I've said, you know, it just feels like every year we we kind of lean into that, and it's 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 hard to do with Nebraska where their program is at now, right? I understand in the past going, okay, Rutgers, uh, Indiana, Northwestern, those are all wins. This year, I feel <laughs> like if you go two and one in those games, you're doing pretty good, um, you know, because yeah. you, you, you it's it's hard to predict um, for sure wins from this team. Obviously, it, you know, if you're, you're talking about worst case scenarios. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Nebraska drops uh, one of the non-con games and I'm not talking about Oklahoma uh, and things kind of go haywire here because I've you're, seen it You're before. saying
0: outside of an Oklahoma, you still, I, I think it's possible too, but I just, I just want yeah, to make sure. I I'm saying
1: you if you're talking about worst case scenario, it's not that I'm being a hater; it's that I've seen it. We saw it with Mike Riley when he dropped to Northern Illinois. It Was not supposed to happen, and then it kind of set off, you know, uh, you know, the the firing of Sean Eichhorst, and you know, and bringing about the writing on the wall for Mike Riley, and then obviously everybody getting excited for Scott Frost. But I'm saying if you're if you're talking about worst case scenario, six and six is to me pretty darn close to not best case scenario for Nebraska, but. Like I, I'd almost sign up for it right now. Not that I'd be like too jacked about it, and that's a that's another interesting point for kind of fans. And I saw um, some rumble on Twitter is that you know some some fans want to keep that kind of nine eight nine wins, um, you know, because it's attainable with this schedule is to, to keep the standard there. Don't lower it based on where you've been the previous year, the previous couple of years. I would love to do that, too, and I, and I want to keep that standard high, but I just don't think that that's where it's at. I, I, I don't think that you're going to need nine wins um, to keep your job if you're Scott Frost. That was the case in the past and wasn't enough for people like Bo Pelini and Frank Solich in their final years. But that's just not where Nebraska's program is right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, some, some tend to think that they, they won. They won in the all in the season battle. Um, they're probably going to have to make a few decisions, uh, but they'll probably play itself out as we, you know, we've talked to Evan Bland and, and Sip w- w- regarding scholarship numbers and, and the summers here. Graduation just happened, I think uh, over the weekend. So um, there'll probably be some players that'll make an assessment to say that, you know, maybe another plane is better for them than, than where they are. Uh, so that's still yet, yet to play itself. I, I still think they need some help in the interior. I still think they need to land, uh, one or one or maybe two more. I mean, great find, um, you know, in the safety room. But uh, they still need some work, I think, on the interior. I think they need to land still a big name or, or hopefully a solid name that has some form of experience at um, a level. I'd love to see an SEC type of interior lineman find his way to Nebraska, somebody out of Auburn or someone, you know, where – that's that's one of their mainstays. Um, love to get a Georgia interior alignment, just, oh, yeah. just fall through the cracks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. Right. Uh, definitely. I don't think I, I don't think I'd be interested in a Pac-10 interior alignment. I don't think I'd be interested in ACC Pac, uh, interior alignment, but somebody out of that, uh, you know, I would be OK with Big 12. I'd be OK with uh, SEC. Uh, But definitely uh, love to find another interior lineman to be able to shore that up because it's going to be necessary with the run games they're going to face.
1: Yeah, it it will. And and you don't want to be like entering the season with a thin line of depth. Um, I think regardless, they're going to be doing that, even if they put a few guys in there. But, I mean, they did do a good job. I mean, you can kind of project in the transfer portal, Devin Drew and O'Shawn Mathis to be starters up there. And I I think that they're with O'Shawn Mathis especially. You throw in Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson and, and Ty Robinson in there. It can be pretty uh, disruptive. I think that they can have a pretty decent pass attack um, as far as as, as rushing the passer. Again, that's not the biggest deal in the Big Ten West. It it, it definitely helps, and it's been a while since Nebraska's been able to provide that. Um, It's also interesting that that happens in a year where the secondary isn't too short up. I mean, you've got one starter returning um, and a lot of jobs open back there. So it might take some time for those guys to blend, but certainly will help them right. look better uh, with the pass attack. And I, and man, is there going to be some expectations on Oshon Mathis to get a sack or two this year? And when I say a sack or two, I'm talking about like eight or nine or more. Uh, we'll see if he can live up to I, that. I, I,
0: I want to see if they go back to attacking, like an attacking style, yeah. but that's going to depend on how confident they feel. I would say you probably be a little bit more confident in the cornerback positions. Um, But I would, I would venture to say, making sure that those, those safeties are have, if you're going to attack, you want to make sure your safeties have covering abilities. You have a couple of safeties possibly that can kind of switch back and forth, maybe play nickel and and do a little bit of that. But it's going to be interesting to see because if they're going to be attacking or they're going to be, bend but don't break uh maybe some zone blitzing uh maybe just trying to throw some wrinkles and move some people around and and just kind of uh be creative in their blitz packages it's going to be it's I, i'm interested to see what Shenander's going to do i i want to know yeah. I, I really do i'm going to be watching and seeing what style of uh, a defense that they're going to play i think landing Oshawn mathis, mathis can create the ability to move and shift uh you know similar to like what they do with like um uh, you know in the in the, in the NFL with uh Khalil Mack or somebody like that or you know how they do with Aaron Donaldson to move him around a little bit and just give him just mismatch opportunities. So you know when you have a guy like that, you know, that that can do different things, he has pretty good size. Uh, you move them around a little bit, play them, you know, up, play them down, see see how it fits, and they can throw some wrinkles in in, in the defense that can cause some problems for uh, offensive schemes.
1: Yeah, I think especially like Shandera's got something to work with with that front seven. Um, as long as, the, as as again there aren't too many injuries, at least just playing yeah. with it now. Now so other guys will move up and, and maybe prove themselves, and uh, that's just kind of part of football is the unknown and, and the guys that haven't had a, too much of a chance to play. But like even a Nash Hutmacher hasn't played too much in. in I think Nebraska is relying on him um, to take it up one of those defensive tackle spots as they probably transition more to a four-three. What does that mean on, on passing downs for um, Garrett Nelson and, and you know you know where are you going to put O'Shawn Mathis and where, is Devin Drew going to be one of those outside guys? And it's a lot of questions and, and all those answers are probably yes sometimes. Uh, and that's what's intriguing about it is just a lot of weapons to work within the front seven if the back end can be kind of shored up and then you yeah. know if if you know you don't want to get into the the world of too many ifs um, but all that being said uh, the biggest step we, we talk a lot about the the depth they uh, there for the defensive line but it's for that offensive line uh to get going allow you to get a traditional running game with some power backs back there and give your quarterback who's less of a of a run threat than adrian martinez has been which has bailed you out plenty of times can you pass protect? That's going to be probably the biggest thing for Thompson in this offense to get going. Um, and so there's a lot of questions there, and I think it'll take some time to gel, which, again, that favorable schedule up front is going to help them out. But they better be ready when Oklahoma comes to town. Um, but they're dealing with some transition themselves. So it, it'll be fun uh, to see how it all turns out. I definitely could see 6-6. Six and six. Um, I could certainly see... I'm um, creeping up there towards eight or nine wins, uh, if 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 all goes right. I just mm-hmm. I think my belief that all goes right is is no longer there until it's proven on the field. So we'll kind of see how that goes out. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more uh, nationally about college, uh, about uh, NCAA football. Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barda thinks the NCAA should change the transfer rule amid NIL concerns. We'll talk about if we think that that's a good idea to put some uh, restrictions around the transfer portal back with NIL. They work hand in hand. We'll talk about that next year on the block a 93.7 The Ticket.